Hey, everyone. Before we start today's episode, we wanted to take a moment and address the June 24th, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. This decision has stripped away the rights to have safe and legal abortions, and it's something that we are very passionate about. Yes, everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and for their family, and that includes when is the time to end a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety, and it could have very harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. We invite you to learn more by visiting choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. And if you're able to support others, please consider donating to the abortion funds. And thanks to Ariel Nisenblatt, the founder of Earbuds Podcast Collective, for starting this movement of podcasters making this announcement at the top of their show. In a time where people are really looking for help and looking for unity and looking to know what to do, this is an amazing movement. We appreciate her initiative to start it in order to show how many of us there are and how important this decision is to us and the importance of coming together to unify over this very important topic. So we encourage you to speak up and take care to spread the word as well. Hello, and welcome to episode 80 of the Talk Witchcraft podcast. In this episode, Maggie and I will be discussing the essential dignities of the moon and how this can influence the way that you correspond with this celestial body. You're listening to Talk Witchcraft. On this podcast, we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life. Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. We're We're your hosts, hosts, the Mystic Mystic Sisters, Sisters, Erica and Maggie. In this segment of the show, we choose a tarot card for the week, and we look for moments that relate to this card in our daily lives. For this episode, we chose the High Priestess. Now, most of the episodes in this show, we have been talking about the numbered minor arcana, or the pips, and these are about the day-to-day events. And we've also talked a lot about the court cards, which are the cast of characters. We're actually almost done talking about the minor arcana, so for the rest of the episodes, we just have aces, pages, and the major arcana. The major arcana are the keynotes or lessons of the story in your reading. Specifically with the high priestess, the theme is secrets. The high priestess is the guardian for the realm of hidden wisdom and the subconscious mind. She is the embodiment of intuition and psychic abilities, and she invites us to explore the spiritual realm. So do you have a story about when the high priestess archetype was a major theme in your life, Maggie? I think everybody wants to be the high priestess. (laughs) There was a time when I was doing like all of the tricks to like develop my psychic abilities. So I was waking up during the witching hour and like practicing and trying really, really hard like any good Gemini would do. And then I started recognizing that trying so hard is not high priestess energy. High priestess energy is going with the flow and letting that kind of psychic ability, your intuition, just speak to you and not forcing it. 
And so I think that that realization was really a turning point for when I started really being able to listen to what my intuition is telling me versus like trying so hard to listen to it. The word that I'm being drawn to on this particular day is secrets and that theme that she holds. I am an oversharer. I want to tell my life story to every single person that I meet upon first meeting them because probably a variety of reasons. I want them to like me. I want them to validate me. I have a really hard time keeping secrets. And when I have a secret, I agonize over if it's a secret that should be told or if it's a secret that I need to keep to myself. And so something that I'm working on, I guess, is developing that intuition of not using information as a way to get people to like me, but really developing a what information do I need to share with which people? Who needs to know the information and who would I just be telling because I want them to like me or think that I'm cool? Your embodiment of the high priestess is like as the guardian of the secrets. Yes. Figuring out who gets to go through the door. Yes. Now, if our listeners have a story about the high priestess, we hope that they will send us a voicemail to we listen at talkwitchcraft.com. In this episode, we are discussing the moon in rulership, exaltation, detriment, and fall, and what those terms mean. We will also be talking about how this can influence your day-to-day choices and your magical workings. So over the course of the next year, we will be examining each of the planets as its own episode or luminaries in the case of the sun and the moon. And maybe it's actually better to call them celestial bodies so that we're clear. In these episodes, our goal is to talk about each particular celestial body, what it means in your natal chart, and also how to watch the skies and observe the position of these celestial bodies within the zodiac signs in order to determine an optimal time for magical workings and even for your mundane activities. I have an app actually that is called Night Night Sky and it overlays an image of the night sky over the real world. So it pulls out the constellation. It also pulls out where the planets are. And so what's really cool is it'll show you where some of these like really outlier planets are like Jupiter and Saturn, even though you can only maybe barely see the little speck of light that they are. So it helps to really show where those planets are and what zodiac sign they're in. And you can even like go through the earth to the Southern hemisphere or Northern hemisphere if you're in one of those Southern hemisphere countries and see where they are in relation to the other underneath you, as it were. So it makes it really easy for doing what Maggie said about watching the sky and seeing where they are within the night sky so that you can do that. So I highly recommend finding some sort of app like that to help you find them. And then it's fun to be like, oh, I see it. There's Jupiter. So Erica and I love the moon. We love talking about it. In fact, in episode 52 during Capricorn season, we discussed working with moon energy for planning. And before Erica joined the podcast in episode 17, I did a solo episode where I share some thoughts about practical lunar magic. Each phase of the moon has its own unique energy that can be invoked for different purposes. So for example, the new moon is a time for setting intentions, new beginnings, fresh starts, and turning a new leaf. 
The waxing moon is when you take action toward that intention and cultivate your motivation. The first quarter moon is an opportunity to nurture your dreams, push past challenges and obstacles, and follow your inspirations. The waxing gibbous is a time to create changes and to refine, edit, or adjust your course. And the full moon is a time for self-love, celebration, and finding clarity when the full moon energy is at its peak. Then the waning gibbous is when you express gratitude for the process and harvest the lunar energy to store for later. The last quarter moon is a time to remove the obstacles and challenges you previously pushed past and let go and forgive. And finally, the waning crescent is a good time to surrender, rest, and reflect on the whole process as you prepare for the cycle. This is a very quick overview of the moon phases, and the episodes that I mentioned previously will give much more detail about the changing moon phases and how to align with the lunar cycle. But this episode, we are focusing more on how the zodiac sign that the moon is in changes its energy regardless of the phase. To do this, we will be introducing some new terms, which some of our listeners may already be familiar with and some may not. They are the four dignities, rulership, exaltation, detriment, and fall. But before we go there, let's start by sharing what the moon represents in a horoscope. And to be clear, when we say horoscope, this word has been corrupted by newspaper snippets. A horoscope is a full diagram or astrological chart of the relative positions of planets and signs of the zodiac at a specific time. So this could apply to your birth day, which would be your natal chart. We talked about that in a previous episode. And it could also be any other date, past, present, or future that you're curious about. What does the moon symbolize, Erica? In a horoscope, the moon symbolizes emotions and feelings. It also could represent the subconscious mind and intuition, and it may have some connection to how you relate to your parents, your childhood, and your home. Additionally, the moon is associated with water elements and indicates the passive receptive energy very strongly. So when you're looking at your horoscope, I think of those celestial bodies as the what, what is going on. So in the case of the moon, it would be the emotions. And then the zodiac sign is how the what is being expressed. And later on, we're also going to be talking about the houses, the astrological houses, and get more into what that means. But they they are the where. So what area of your life is the what being expressed in what way? So when we look at the position of the moon in a sign and a house, this is going to determine how and where the emotions and all the other things that the moon symbolizes that Erica just told us about are going to come into play. You can look at your own chart to see how the moon shows up in your life. The horoscope for other days in the past, present, or future can also give you information about what your emotional experiences may be. Sometimes there's a little confusion about the difference between the moon and the sun, because they both represent who we are as a person. So the way to kind of think about it is the sun is who we are all the time, every day. And the moon is more who we are in our private lives. The sun is the outward representation that we give to people, what we want people, how we want people to view us. And it's like this conscious, like, this is who Erica is. And this is who I want you to think I am. Whereas the moon is more of who I am on the inside. It's your inner child. It's your inner uh, parent. It's your 
kind of your conscience and your emotions and that self-talk that you do with yourself. Yeah, I think another way to think about it too is the sun is, like you said, it's conscious choice for how you want to present yourself. So it's like your your will and the moon is more instinctive because as your inner child, it's just like what happens without thinking and how you react to things without really choosing how you're going to react. So it's more like this. Well, it's the sun is an active energy and this, the moon is receptive because those are the dualities that they represent. But yeah, the moon is another way to think about it is the the sun is active and the moon is reactive. Mm-hmm, exactly. And a lot of times the sun, like you said, is that you are what you're presenting and the moon is secret, which is why the high priestess card is associated with the moon. So usually the only people who will get to know your moon sign in any way is is somebody who you're intimate with, who you have an intimate relationship with in some way, and sometimes even just yourself. Sometimes you don't share that side of yourself with anyone else. And so that's why it's considered one of the big three, the big three being your sun, your moon, and your ascendant. So the the sign that was rising at the time of your birth, they all are related to who you are and the different ways that you present that to the world. And so as we go through each of the zodiac signs, we'll be talking about the way the moon will appear in that zodiac sign. So we've already talked about cancer in the previous episode. And so for the rest of the year, uh, sorry if your moon sign is Gemini, because you'll have to wait a full year <laughs> to learn about it from our perspective. Yeah, so just stay tuned and listen for that and see how the moon shows up in your natal chart and extrapolate that also for when the moon is traveling through each zodiac sign. We've started our new intermission segment, which is when we are talking about our book recommendations. This week, we are recommending... Starhawk, specifically Spiral Dance, which we read with our mom as a book club book Mm -hmm. this year. Last year. Last year. She gave the 20th anniversary edition to us for Christmas. She had the 10th anniversary edition and we had the 20th. And so it was interesting to go between the two editions to see how Starhawk had herself grow in those 10 years, which we've talked about before. I think what I appreciated most about it was this, it, it was a, a version, um, a vision into her own growth as a witch and as a human and as an advocate and an ally. And you could see her changing her language from the first edition to the 10th anniversary to the 20th anniversary. And then on top of that, she also provided very practical exercises and rituals to try both in group setting and a lot in group setting, but also a few in solo setting. I agree. I I enjoyed that. It was really validating for me to read it. I mean, I'm sure I've I've learned a lot of witchcraft from other people who learned from her. So I was able to like see that in what she was teaching reading it like late I guess into how long I've been practicing witchcraft and see some of the things that I believe I also really enjoyed learning new terms for things like she talks about the younger self and the talking self and I always talk about that as like your subconscious mind and your conscious mind but I like having those new terms that are more clear what is meant by it your talking self is the one that you like here all the time in your head and the younger self 
is the one that like understands parables and picture books and and all of that stuff, your intuition. So anyway, I, I liked having those terms that are very clear and aren't so like steeped in pop psychology that makes it a little bit muddy to have like a specific witchcraft term, I guess, to talk about those things. She has many books. We're just recommending Spiral Dance this time, but she also writes fiction. A lot of those are really fun to read because she has her witchcraft perspective in the fiction novels. And so I've really enjoyed those as well. Her Instagram's fun to follow too. She, she does a lot of live events, like community building events and online rituals and things like that. So just as a person and a leader in the witchcraft community, she's an interesting person. So now let's talk about some of the hows, as in how the planet is flavored as it travels through four specific positions, dignities in a horoscope. So Erica, can you tell us what the planetary dignities are? We've mentioned those words a couple of times, but what are they specifically? Dignities are when a planet is feeling really proper and drinks tea with its pinky finger. No. (laughs) (laughs) Dignities are a set of terms that is used in astrology to describe the relationship between the planet and the sign that it occupies. So the four dignities are rulership, exaltation, detriment, and fall. All the planets or celestial bodies have unique essential dignities. The first essential dignity is the rulership, or some people call it the domicile, or basically this is the home position. This is where a planet is in its home sign and their energy is expressed effortlessly. It's very clear. It's very direct. And the thing to keep in mind here is that this means all aspects of the planet are expressed. So any sort of positive aspects of it and also negative aspects of that celestial body are amplified when they are in this rulership. So typically when you're corresponding with a planet, when it is in its rulership or when it's in its home position, this is a good time to correspond with that planet. It doesn't mean you have to always, you know, wait until the moon is in its proper place, but it would be a good opportunity to work with the moon. The signs originally got their meaning from their planetary ruler, so they tend to be very similar. The moon rules over cancer, and so when the moon is in cancer for about two to three days every lunar cycle, the lunar energy is at its most most authentic and powerful. When this is happening for those, you know, you can kind of plan ahead if you want to incorporate lunar energy, moon energy into a magical working. If the moon is going to be in cancer at an opportune time when you have the ability to do a spell, um, then you might want to wait until that moment to really get the full power of the moon. Again, I don't think it's like a have to thing. I always say that with anything that you're using in your witchcraft practice or magic adds to it, but it doesn't mean that it's like going to be the difference between success and failure. So the other thing to think about is that uh, individuals who have their moon in cancer, they embody all of those traits, like Maggie was saying, those positive and negative things effortlessly, easily. They just are emotion. They feel their feelings. They identify their feelings very well, positive and negative. They're very much in tune with the magic surrounding emotion. 
So those are kind of the things to keep in mind is like with your natal chart, how these things appear and then, you know, other dates that this might be happening, how this energy is shifting. Should we move on to the planet's detriment? When a celestial body is in their detriment, it means that they are not in their natural environment. The energy of the sign is not compatible with the planet as when it is in its rulership or exaltation. This can create some tension and challenges for the planet. The effects of being in detriment can be mitigated by being aware of them and avoiding working with the energy or counteracting it in some way. This isn't like you have to avoid working with the moon when it's in its detriment, which by the way is when the moon is in Capricorn is its detriment. It just means that it's less powerful and there are things you can do to kind of enhance the moon energy in other ways, like adding more materials that go with the moon to add power to the moon. Like I said, the moon is in detriment when it's in Capricorn. And for each of these, the moon travels through each sign for about two to three days, every lunar cycle. So about once a month, you're going to find the moon in its detriment. And Capricorn can be hard on the emotions that the moon represents. It can be difficult to express and process emotions during this time. And if you are born with your moon in Capricorn, your moon is Capricorn, right? Yes. Yep. Do you feel like this is accurate? Do you feel like you have a difficult time processing? Yeah. So Capricorn is very pragmatic and very in the nitty gritty, very much like detail oriented. And I got to figure it out. And how do I move through this as quickly as possible? And so it's not that I struggle with my emotions because I do feel my emotions and I think I can identify them pretty well. So there may be other aspects that are coming out from other planets that are helping me with that. But I also don't stay in my emotions very long. I've been told by my boyfriend that he is so impressed with how I can be like fundamentally sad and like just hysterical crying one minute And then five minutes later, I'm happy-go-lucky Erica again. And he just doesn't understand how that shift happens. And I think it's because this Capricorn moon that is in me is just like, I don't have time to deal with the emotion. So I feel it and then I'm done. Yeah. So it's like the energy of Capricorn sort of makes it feel like a burden to feel emotions rather than, you know, something to be enjoyed. It's, it's absolutely that. It's just, like I said, I don't have time for it. I, but I, I recognize that I need to feel it. And I need to experience it. In psychology, they talk about the emotion river and that you're supposed to stand in the river and let the fish of emotions come to you and let them pass. And I'm just like, I guess my emotion river is just like a really fast current. And it's just like, here it is. And there it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. This kind of just popped into my head with Capricorn being an earth sign and the moon being a water planet, it's kind of like that idea we were talking about with like perfectionism and just needing to go with the flow. So it's like a river, but the boulders of Capricorn are like blocking the flow. So the emotions don't really go the where they're supposed to be with Capricorn boulders just like diverting and moving it. The solidness versus the fluidity. They're also, you know, they talk about like the cusps. I think that there there is cusps of the moon too, because on some of my natal charts, they say I'm a Sagittarius and, but most of them say I'm Capricorn. So I wonder if also I'm getting some of the Sagittarius pull 
for the moon that's letting giving me a little bit more ability to process emotions. Well, it's such a short period. Right. Like I don't I don't really buy into the cusp idea in general. So because <laughs> <laughs> with the deacons in the sun sign, I feel like that kind of explains the cusp more than anything. Like the way I think about it is like you can be in France. Or you could be in Spain, but you can't be in both at the same time. At the border, there's that. Those countries touch each other, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's And there's like cultural bleed. And we talk about that with the way that the energy flows from one to the next. The way that a lot of people talk about cusps, and I'm not saying that this was you just now, but like some people, it's a way for people to like feel more special about mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with that. But I, I do think that there is some bleed. And maybe I've just really worked at emotions because I know that it is something that I have to be aware of. I do feel like I'm not as much in detriment for my emotions than other Capricorns that I've met. So I I do feel like there is some, there are some other planets either swaying me different ways or I'm getting some of that Sagittarius bleed. I don't know. It's. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, just thinking about the difference between a Cancer moon and a Capricorn moon. Cancer moon, it's just like a free flow, like we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. Whereas Capricorn, there's definitely some and it sounds like what you experience is there's some sort of blockage. It's just quick. The, the emotion hits your boulder and then it's like, I feel it. And then it's like gone. Yep, exactly. All right. So we talked about that Moving for on. a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel, I feel like we will be talking about them longer when we have them because we can talk about our experiences. And we'll, we'll, we'll actually get there with the planets that are in a fall because my moon is in a fall. So, (laughs) (laughs) but first we're going to talk about the planet's exaltation. And so when a planet is in their exaltation, it means that they operate easily. This is not as intense as the rulership. And it's also not in the same way where both are amplified, the both the negative and the positive are amplified. It's just a really balanced, even energy where the planet's energy is just supported by the sign that it's in. Typically, this is a good time to correspond with that planet's magical energy, just like with the rulership. When the moon is in the sign of Taurus for two to three days every lunar cycle, it's in its exaltation. So Taurus pampers and nurtures the moon, which creates a safe space for the moon to express its emotions. So this is just a very like cuddly moon. Yeah. And it is interesting because we talked about the Capricorn boulders blocking the flow of water and Taurus is another earth sign. The way that I see this with Taurus having the Venus energy, because we'll talk about it when we get to Venus, but Venus rules over Taurus. The moon and Venus are another one that I think people get confused with because Venus is also emotional in the sense of like love and all of that. So Taurus is just like a much more comfortable sign. I feel like it's very cozy. Like you said, I'm just imagining the moon resting on a plush pillow surrounded by like crystals and like music and you know good smelling perfumes and incense and all of that stuff you know it's just very comfortable place to express your emotions the moon in taurus is definitely ferdinand the bull from that children's story he you know this is not the rampaging bull in mars this is not the bull in a china shop this is the gentle sweet calm and patient bull and it reveals a lot of the beneficial aspects of emotions without all the unhelpful energy. 
The sign of a planet's fall is the polar of the exaltation. This can be a challenging time for the planet as the energy of the sign does not support the planet's natural expression. So with the exaltation, we're very supportive, comfy, cozy. And with the fall, it's a little prickly. And the effects of being in a fall can be mitigated by being aware of them and avoiding working with the energy or counteracting it in some way. It's not that you can't work with the energy. And maybe you want something that's a little bit more prickly. Like maybe it's a banishing or a hex or something that you're doing and you need that prickly energy. Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. That it's like just knowing what the, being aware of it, like you said, being aware and figuring out what kind of energy you need for the moon. It's in its fall in Scorpio. And that is my moon sign. So we know that Scorpio, and we'll talk about it when we get to Scorpio season, but Scorpio is just this very passionate sign. It's about the subconscious mind in general and shadow, all the like hard things (laughs) that you have to face. And so it's not as comfy for facing your emotions with the moon when it is in this sign, because it's the hard ones. It's the hard emotions that you've kind of stored away because that's part of what the shadow is, is like shoving your emotions away. And then shadow work is like looking at those emotions and examining them and, you know, learning how to deal with them in a healthy way. And so I've been pretty open about my journey with the emotions and knowing what they are and how to feel them and all of that in throughout this podcast since we've been doing this. And a lot of that is because of this Scorpio moon. Looking back at when we were kids, I had emotional outbursts because I didn't really know what to do with my emotions. If things didn't go my way, it'd be full on tears and anger. I just have always kind of struggled with regulating when I felt when I feel something it's very, very powerful. We're taught there's like an appropriate way to behave. And so I I slowly kind of learned how to not experience my emotions, but I think I went a little bit overboard with that and just like closed myself off to any sort of feeling. Um, And so that's what I've been learning is figuring out what those are again. (laughs) And so I think the difference between the detriment and the fall is that so the Capricorn moon can identify the emotion, but doesn't have time for it. And so they, they're very much like, oh, that's, that's what that was. Okay, move on. Yeah, it's like almost like a to-do list, like a Capricorn will. Yes. Okay, I have to feel sad. Check. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but with the fall, it's more, uh, it's, it's more of that I am feeling something and I don't know what it is and I don't know why. I think that's really insightful because that's part of my struggle is like, I don't know if I'm angry. I don't know if I'm sad. I don't know if I'm happy. So oftentimes I'll catch myself and especially through recording myself so much, seeing my face, I'll be smiling when I'm talking about something really sad because I just like have a complete disconnect with how to express what I'm feeling. Because you're not tapped into the energy of the moon. It's it's almost like a, you don't know how to get into that energy. You can feel it. You know it's there. But you're like standing at the door knocking and like can't find or can't find the hole in the curtain to pull it apart. Like all of those metaphors <laughs> of like, <laughs> it's there. I know it's there. I just can't get to it. I'm not following the metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, then. <laughs> each emotion has its own door. Is that what you're saying? I'm okay. So let me. Okay. So <laughs> you're standing at this curtain, 
And you know that behind the curtain is the emotion that you're feeling, but you can't find the opening in the curtain to reveal it. Uh, yeah. Okay. I Does get that. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so then sometimes you just burn the curtain down. <laughs> right. <laughs> because you're because you're a scorpion and you're just like attack. <laughs> well, I yeah, I think that that's uh, like I I've talked about before that like anger is a thing just like lashing out. Think when things are frustrating to me like if the computer's doing something, it's just it's like all of a sudden I'm it's 0 to 60 and I'm just like so frustrated I have to get up and and walk away or I'll throw the computer. <laughs> Or when we're playing a card game with our aunts and uncles, Uno, with our aunts and uncles, and your uncle is keeps giving you the draw fours, and you get very upset, say, meanie Uncle John, and storm away. <laughs> I didn't storm away. I almost cried. And then everyone yeah. else almost cried. It's very manipulative. <laughs> I guess that's another thing with the because I do think yes. I've in the in in my life I've used emotions to manipulate other people to like feel something for me. As your older sister, I can vouch that that is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's partly the Gemini Sun is manipulation. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> So with all of these, you know, these are very specific placements of the moon. And there are, of course, other placements. These are just like the most significant effects on the moon. Each of the signs have an effect on the moon in their in its own way. And we'll, again, talk about that when we get to each sign. But these are the specific ones that are the dignities <laughs> that have the greatest effect on the energy. And they're the ones that you're going to want to pay attention for your witchcraft practices. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Figuring out when the moon is in these signs can be really helpful. And last week I did, so this is actually, I get to introduce it. Yep, you get it. Don't say it. I get to say it. You, Don't gonna, say it. I'm not going <laughs> to say it. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Moonstone. And Moonstone's actually my birthstone. There's several different types of Moonstone. So it has different colors depending on the type. The most commonly seen Moonstone is a white or like a creamy white. And there's usually a flash in it where it, when you move it slightly, you see like a blue shine across it. But that's not all Moonstones. They don't all have that. Some of the flashes are just like a darker white, if you can have a darker white or brighter white, I guess would be more accurate. <laughs> but moonstone can also be found in yellow, blue, and green. But probably the most common is the white version. It's usually, again, this sort of milky color. It's not usually clear. There can be clear parts of it, but it's usually a little bit more translucent where it's just some light passes through, but not all. And it can be found in a variety of different sizes. It's pretty common, so it's not that hard to find moonstone, and that means it's usually not very expensive, and it is most commonly sourced in India, Sri Lanka, and Australia. So moonstone represents inner clarity and change, particularly cyclical change, so that you know, the moon phases that we've been talking about um, and how they go through that cycle. And it's got a very deep connection to the passive energy 
It's a symbol of light and hope, and it helps us to embrace new beginnings. So if you're starting a new job or a new family or a new home or any sort of thing that is new, carrying around a moonstone with you during that process can help to tap into that energy and make those things go more smoothly. Because of its link to the passive energy, it's good for things like fertility, for balance, for things like softness and intuition. So since we are kind of finishing up our tarot cards, we also wanted to sprinkle in some other forms of divination for our beginning segment of the podcast. And next week will be the first episode where we talk about the runes. We will be going through each of the Elder Futhark runes and sharing what the meaning of them is and continuing the practice of looking at our lives through the lens of that specific rune. So the very first rune of the Elder Futhark is Fehu. Fehu is the rune of, well, it's the rune of cattle. So it's it's kind of funny if you don't have a ranch or whatever, how are we going to figure this out? But specifically, this rune is about cattle because this represents wealth and money in the time that the runes were kind of developed. Having cattle meant that you were probably more wealthy. You had not only, you know, enough food for one winter, but you had enough to share with others, to sell to others, because you had sort of an abundance of this food source. This is a rune of wealth, prosperity, and abundance for reward, for good health, and also for beginnings, because it is the first rune of the set. So we will be talking more about what this means, giving more information, and sharing our stories about Fehu next week. You can find out more about this episode by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 080. Join us next week when we talk about the fourth astrological house. Now make sure that you are subscribed so that you are notified about each new episode and help other witches find this show by leaving us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts or a thumbs up if you're on Spotify. You can also find us on Instagram at the new Instagram account at Mumbles Academy for Witches. Please don't block me. <laughs> Please don't block that account because people are calling people are thinking that it is the it is one of the copycat accounts of the Mumbles and Things account, but I just wanted a fresh start and so that's why I started a new account and um there's been a big copycat problem where accounts will just like outright copy an Instagram account. I get it, but it's real. It's not something to block. It's me. <laughs> and if you have any other tips to add, tell us about it in the Talk Witchcraft Forum in the Mumbles Academy community. And don't forget to share this episode with your witchy friends and followers. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye-bye. My eye is twitching, so I don't think you can see it, but I'm not winking at you. I'm just like, okay. I have a twitching eye. <laughs> So, oh, there's a puppy. A puppy pants. Hi, puppy pants. Did you come visit me? Hi. Come here.